Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is on the air. Never send to know for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for thee. Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is a call to arms for those American patriots who, in the tradition of our founding fathers, will stand up now to defend the Constitution and the liberties that it guarantees to each citizen, to each of us. That is our mission, to explain in a clear and concise manner the direct effect of each issue on the individual, on you personally not some anonymous being in a distant place, and to define in no uncertain terms the consequences of inaction. Let the battle begin. This is Dr. Dan. Whenever troubles arise in our country, whenever times get tough, one of the most important things that we can do is go back to and examine, re-examine, and try to understand, and more important, try to follow the principles of on which our nation were founded. Understand, and this is so important, understand that for centuries, for centuries, mankind was ruled by a variety of elite monarchs. These were people who for some reason, rose to the top in terms of control and ended up controlling huge numbers of people. Now, in early times, it probably was based on who was the biggest, the strongest, and had the biggest club. Uh, it may have progressed to who could shoot the straightest with an arrow. And then very as, as various kinds of implements uh, improved, and I say improved, it's kind of funny, but improved in ways of hurting and killing other people. Uh, There were people adept at using those devices who then rose to the top. And then finally, uh, there were people who rose to the top through a combination of force and political acumen and wealth and a variety of other things. And so regardless of how they actually got there, uh, what we found humanity uh, ruled uh, was by a variety of elites who, through some means, rose to the top and controlled vast numbers of people. Now, obviously, during the Middle Ages, uh, we're talking about a variety of kings and queens, dukes and duchesses, and, uh, and, and people of that nature who owned everything, uh, who had a court of sycophants who uh, groveled at their feet for uh, for praise and for a little bit of favors, uh, laughed at their their jokes, funny or not, uh, and did them favors in order to still remain above the rabble, which would have been you and me, pretty much. Basically, uh, we would have been the people down there in the in the dirt, the tenant farmers of the era. Maybe we owned a cart, uh, maybe we owned a, uh, pots and pans or the ability to plant crops or do some kind of a menial trade, but we did not have access to power. And that's how humanity was ruled for centuries, centuries. Now, 
come to the founding of the New World, as we were called. And uh, in the beginning, those same kings and queens from Europe, they, they wanted to control the New World as well. But there was a problem, wasn't there? And the problem was that it took two weeks to sail from England to New York. Uh, and if you were in New York and you wanted to talk to someone in Philadelphia, you had to get on your horse and ride for three days in order to do it. And uh, that kind of communication gap is what allowed some of our founders to say, hey, just wait a minute. Why are we still bowing down to a monarch who can't come here and do anything to us? It would be a good idea for us to be free, for us to set our own course on earth, for our people to have freedom. And so they did, they took advantage of a particular quirk of time when communications and travel were very limited. And they said, now is our opportunity to make things right in the new world. We sure couldn't do it over in, the, in England and Europe. I mean, they've been set in their ways for hundreds of years. But right here and now, in what is now our country, the United States, America, now we have the opportunity to do something really different, something that will benefit us, our children and grandchildren, give them individual freedom. And I'm sure I wasn't there, and you weren't there, and I don't know what they were thinking because there's no way of knowing what anyone's thinking. But I know that those guys, those George Washington and Thomas Jefferson and Samuel Adams and John Hancock and all the rest of them, they were saying that, and Patrick Henry, of course, they were saying that to themselves. They were saying, "This, we can do this. I got this. We, we can do it. Uh, and we had the basis, the basis, of course, being a morality based on, on God, the belief in God, the belief in right and wrong. And they said, now is the time. And what a brave, what a brave, incredibly brave thing to do uh, to be able at that point to say, let's do this. Uh, had huge risk. There were soldiers, Brit British soldiers here, and they had some kind of autonomy enough to do harm uh, to people, arrest them, torture them, kill them even, as we know through our history. But nevertheless, some brave men who really understood the importance of individual freedom and personal responsibility, that's when they took a stand. And the result, of course, was that we won our freedom from the monarchy. And we were able to establish here on our new continent a new idea of freedom that they hoped would be passed down for generations to come. And this is now 240 years later. And so far, they've done a, a fairly, they've done a really great job because they provided us with the framework. They provided us with the framework to be successful Okay, and we were and are, but we have enemies, don't we? We have enemies of freedom, and those enemies are what Donald Trump calls the swamp, and what they really are, they're the global elite. You know, we threw the monarchy out of this country in 1776. We told them to get the heck out of our country, but they didn't go away because they're 
grandchildren, great-great-grandchildren and the like, they're still there. And you know what? The monarchy wants back in. And that's the battle that we are fighting right now. That same swamp, whatever you want to call it, is the global elite. The global elite, the arrogant global elite, who now want back in. And they will do nothing. They will do everything that they can to get back in. And that's the battle that's being fought right now. And we are losing it unless we band together. Those of us who understand this battle, we must band together. Now is our time to stand in the shoes of Patrick Henry, give me liberty or give me death, and George Washington and Thomas Jefferson. The tree of liberty must be watered from time to time with the blood of patriots and tyrants, because, mind you, we are dealing with global tyranny that they want to impose on us. That is unacceptable to me. Consider me Patrick Henry. Consider me Samuel Adams. I'm not related to them, but their blood is flowing in my veins, and it has to be flowing in your veins too. The time is now for us to say no more. We will not accept tyranny. Resist tyranny. That is what we must do. And that's my open. And after commercial break, we will come back with my guest on Freedom Forum Radio, Keith Broders. Keith Broders uh, was originally the founder of the Constitution Club website, but now much more important. He is the promoter of Liberty Tree University website. Education, United States history, the ideas and the intent of our founding fathers, our founding documents, the principles of liberty. And he is going to discuss with us today the intent of our founding fathers when we come back from commercial. This is Dr. Dan. We're back from commercial break. And I want to introduce our guest, Keith Broders. He has been a guest on Freedom Forum Radio in the past. He's a learned man, a passionate man, and he's passionate about the Constitution, passionate about spreading the word, about educating people about the Constitution. And he is the promoter of Liberty Tree University website, and which is a website that is a way of educating people your kids, your grandkids, educating them on United States history, the intentions of our founding fathers, the principles of liberty, uh, our founding documents, the Proclamation of Independence, the Constitution, and the Bill of Rights. It is an honor and a pleasure to have you, Keith Broders, with me on Freedom Forum Radio. Well, it's an honor and a pleasure to be here, Dr. Dan, and I really appreciate all that you have done to uh, rekindle the, uh, the flame of liberty in the hearts and minds of the people who follow you. Um, the thing that I'd like to talk a little bit about to get started with, and that is the intent of what the Founding Fathers were trying to accomplish. If you, if you frankly, if you read the preamble of the Constitution, it doesn't say, we the people, in order to form a more perfect country or a more perfect nation. It was in order to form a more perfect union. The states already existed 
they were independent countries according to the Treaty of Paris, or excuse me, the Treaty of Versailles, Treaty of Paris, I'm sorry, back in 1783, uh, Great Britain signed a treaty involving each of the states. They treated each of the states as a separate nation, and that's the way they were considered. And when the Founding Fathers created the Articles of Confederation, they, they created essentially a government that was really kind of like a, a chamber of commerce. It was a it was an organization, organization of states. Now, these states already had their own constitutions, and they were the ones who actually wrote the, the uh, authorized the writing of the Constitution. It was the states who granted the power that the federal government uh, achieved. It was granted to them by the states. And the primary objective of the Constitution was to create a more perfect union. It was to basically provide for the common defense of the, the fledgling peoples, and they, the, the goal was to preserve, protect, and defend the rights of the people. It was not to provide the people with things. It wasn't to provide goods and services uh, and, and the, a lot of the things that are going on today. Uh, the Founding Fathers wanted uh, to avoid, they, they, they realized that they didn't want to have a monarchy, and they also did not want to have mob rule. They didn't want to have uh, chaos, and they didn't want to have a democracy. All of the Founding Fathers unanimously agreed that a democracy would be a very dangerous form of government, because they re realized that when you have the when the will of the majority prevails, the rights of the minority are sacrificed. And so they, they, they wanted to do everything they possibly could in the Constitution to prevent the rise of a democracy. Unfortunately, uh, because of our lack of vigilance, the, the republic which was established has, has drifted far from its original uh, intent. And today we have barely become, for all intents purposes, a democracy not a republic. And every time I hear the politicians, even the so-called conservatives, they continually reference our country as a democracy. And this is absolutely wrong. It's, it's, a, it's a terrible situation because a democracy is, is a tyranny of the majority. And so I'd like to talk a little bit about some of the, some of the things that have happened over the years that have basically taken our republic, turned it, into a more democratic model. Uh, in the Constitution, there are a couple of places where, in Article 1, Section 4, it says that all of the states are to have a Republican form of government. So the United States is supposed to have a Republican form, not a Democratic form of government. And so the, 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 one of the different things that is significant about a, about a democracy is that there's really two forms of democracy. There's what they call a direct democracy and an indirect democracy. In a direct democracy, the people have a right to make the decision. In an indirect democracy, the people have an opportunity to choose representatives who make the decisions for them. And an indirect democracy is what you will find in a republic. A direct democracy is what you will find in, in a traditional democracy, where the will of the majority prevails, even if it means that the minority lose their rights. And so when our Founding Fathers uh, wrote the Constitution, um, there was one place where they, they reserved a direct democracy model, and that is in the selection of the representatives to the House of Representatives, because they were chosen directly by the people. But, but in regards to the Senate and the President, they were to be elected in an indirect democracy. In other words, representatives 
of the people would make those important decisions for them. In the case of the uh, Senate, the senators initially were chosen by the legislatures of the several states. It was presumed that the legislators in the several states were wise, wiser and more uh, experienced, better educated, and were better equipped to make an important decision um, upon choosing representatives to represent the states. But also they came up with a method to... Um, to elect a president. They created something which became to be known as the Electoral College. And it's very interesting. When the Electoral College was first established, it was established because the founding fathers did not want the uneducated masses having the ability to make important decisions that they weren't really equipped to make. And so they basically decided that they would want to have a group of electors chosen uh, at the state level. Now, according to the Constitution, the states had sole responsibility to determine the manner in which these electors would be selected. Uh, They could basically have the electors appointed by the state legislatures, or they could be elected by the people. It was up to the states to decide. And interestingly enough, when we had the first presidential election, uh, there there was I think nearly 5 million people living in what we now know as the United States. But out of those, there were only 69 men who actually voted for the president. Those 69 men were the electors coming from 10 states. There were three states at that time who did not have electors, and they did not participate in the election of George Washington. Uh, the states that did not participate were, were Rhode Island, North Carolina, uh, and uh, New York. New York, uh, excuse me, the first two states had not ratified the Constitution, so they 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 couldn't participate in the election, and New York was tardy in getting their uh, electors appointed, and so they didn't participate. So there were 69 electors from 10 states who elected George Washington, and interestingly enough, if you t- the the number of individuals who actually voted for electors at that time, there was 43,000 people who actually voted for the electors who in turn voted for George Washington. Out of 5 million people, only 43,000 of them participated in a popular election. And even then, the, the, the votes that they cast did not have any real weight. They were just more or less a straw poll or a suggestion to let their, their electors know how they were feeling. But the, the, over time, things changed. And by the time the election of uh, 1824 rolled around, we had a situation where the Federalist Party had more or less collapsed, and there were four candidates who were running for president as anti-Federalists. They were uh, John Quincy Adams, Andrew Jackson, William Crawford, and Henry Clay. They all were members of the uh, anti-Federalist Party, and... Basically, what ended up happening was when the election was held, uh, no one was able to receive, none of those four men were able to receive the necessary number of electoral votes to be elected. And so they, according to the Constitution, what they did is they took the top three finalists and then decided to uh, have them, their names presented to the House of Representatives to be so that the president would be selected in that in that manner. And uh, Henry Clay was dropped out of the running. The uh, Henry Clay 
decided that he wanted a chance to become the Secretary of State. So he basically made a bargain with John Quincy Adams that if Henry Clay gave his electoral votes to John Quincy Adams, that would give John Quincy Adams the number of votes necessary to become the president. And that concludes another episode of Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum. Join the battle on our website, www.drdansfreedomforum.com. The rights to own private property that cannot be arbitrarily confiscated by the government is the moral right and constitutional basis for individual freedom. Yeah, when I play the hoochie-coochie man. I get joy in everything, everything, everything.